Chapter Twenty Six of the Duke of Chimney Butte. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Duke of Chimney Butte by G. W. Ogden. Chapter Twenty Six. Oysters and ambitions. If you'd come on and go to Wyoming with me, Duke, I think it'd be better for you than California. That low country ain't good for a feller with a tender place in his lights. Oh, I think I'm all right and as good as ever now, Taterleg. Yes, no, it looks all right to you, but if you get dampness on that lung, you'll take the consumption and die. I knew a fellow once that got shot that way through the lights in a fight down on the Cimarron. Him and another feller fell out over. Have you heard from uh, Nettie lately? Lambert broke in, not caring to hear the story of the man who was shot on the Cimarron or his subsequent miscalculations on the state of his lights. Taterleg rolled his eyes to look at him, not turning his head. Reproach in the glance, mild reproof, but he let it pass in his good-natured way, brightening to the subject nearest his heart. Four or five days ago. All right, is she? Up and a-coming, fine as a fiddle. You'll be holding hands with her before the preacher in a little while now. Inside of a week, Duke, my troubles is nearly all over. I don't know about that, but I hope it'll turn out that way. They were on their way home from delivering the calves and the clean-up of the herd to Pat Sullivan, some weeks after Lambert's fight at Glendora. Lambert still showed the effect of his long confinement and drain of his wounds in the paleness of his face, but he sat his saddle as straight as ever, not much thinner as far as the eye could weigh him, nothing missing from him but the brown of his skin and the blood they had drawn from him that day. There was frost on the grass that morning, a foretaste of winter in the sharp wind. The sky was gray with the threat of snow, the somber season of hardship. On the range was at hand. Lambert thought, as he read these signs, that it would be a hard winter on livestock in that unsheltered country, and was comfortable in mind over the profitable outcome of his dealings for his employer. As for himself, his great plans were at an end on the Badlands range. The fight at Glendora had changed all that. The doctor had warned him that he must not attempt another winter in the saddle with that tender spot in his lung. His blood thinned down that way, his flesh soft from being housebound for nearly six weeks. He advised a milder climate for several months of recuperation and was very grave in his advice. So the sheep scheme was put aside, the cattle being sold. There was nothing about the ranch that old Ananias could not do and Lambert had planned to turn his face again toward the west. He could not lie around there in the bunkhouse and grow strong at Vesta's expense, although that was what she expected him to do. He had said nothing to her of his determination to go, for he had wavered in it from day to day, finding it hard to tear himself away from that bleak land that he had come to love as he never had loved the country which claimed him by birth. He had been called on in this place to fight for a man's station in it. He had trampled a refuge of safety for the defenseless among its thorns. Vesta had said nothing further of her own plans, but they took it for granted that she would be leaving now that the last of the cattle were sold. Ananias had told them that she was putting things away in the house, getting ready to close most of it up. "'I don't blame you for leaving,' said Taterleg, returning to the original thread of discussion. It'll be as lonesome as sin up there at that ranch with Vesta gone away. When she's there, she fills that place up like the music of a band. She sure does, Taterleg. Old Ananias 
have a soft time of it eating chicken and rabbit all winter nothing to do but milk them couple of cows no boss to keep her eye on him in a thousand miles he's one that'll never want to leave well it's a good place for a man taterleg sighed he ain't got nothing else to look ahead to i kind of hate to leave myself but at my age you know duke man's got to begin to think of marrying and settle down and fixin him up a home as i've said before many a time before old feller so many times i've got it down by heart titterleg looked at him again with that queer turning of the eyes which he could accomplish with the facility of a fish and rode on in silence a little way after chiding him in that matter well it won't do you no harm he said no sighed the duke not a bit of harm titterleg chuckled as he rode along hummed a tune laughed again in his dry clicking way deep down in his throat i met alta the other day when i was down in glendora he said did you make up make up that girl looks to me like a tin cup by the side of a silver shaven mug now duke compare that girl to nettie and she wouldn't take the leather medal she says good morning mr wilson she says and i turned my head quick like i was looking around for him and never kept a letting on like i knew she meant me that was kind of a rough treatment for a lady taterleg it would be for a lady but not for that gal it ain't it's what's coming to her and what i'll hand her again if she ever gets the gall to speak to me the duke had no further comment on taterleg's rules of conduct they went along in silence a little way but that was a state that taterleg could not long endure well i'll soon be in the oyster parlor up to the belly band he said full of the cheer of his prospect nettie's got the place picked out and nailed down i sent her the money to pay the rent i'll be handing out stews with a slice of pickle on the side another dish before another week goes by duke where are you going to make oysters out in wyoming the duke inquired wonderingly make em out of oysters of course what do you reckon there never was an oyster within a thousand miles of wyoming taterleg they wouldn't keep the ship that far much less till you used them up cove oysters duke cove oysters corrected taterleg gently you couldn't hire a cowman to eat any other kind you couldn't put one of them slick fresh fellers down with a pair of tongs well i guess you know old feller taterleg fell into a reverie from which he started presently with the vehement exclamation of profanity if she got bangs i'll make her cut em off he said who cut em off lambert said viewing this outburst of feeling and surprise nettie i don't want no bangs around me to remind me of that snipe-legged alta wood bangs may be all right for fellows with music boxes in their watches but they don't go with me no more i didn't see jedlake around the ranch up there what do you suppose became of him well what the boys told me if he's still a-going like he was when they seen him last he must be up around medicine hat by now it was a sin the way you threw a scare into that man taterleg i'm sorry i didn't lay him on the board durn him yes but you might as well let him have alta he can come back and take her any time he wants her duke the duke seemed to reflect this simple exposition of jedlick's present case yes i guess that's so he said for a mile or more there was no sound but the even swing of the horses hoofs as they beat in the long easy gallop which they could hold for a day without a break then lambert planning to leave tonight are you taterleg all set for leaving duke on again the frost powdered
grass, brittle under the horse's feet. I think I'll pull out tonight, too. Well, I thought you was going to stay till Vesta left, Duke. Changed my mind. Don't you reckon, Vesta, she'll be a little put out if you leave the ranch after she's figured on you to stay and pick up and gain to be stout and hardy and go in the sheep business next spring? I hope not. Yeah, but I bet she will. Do you reckon she'll ever come back to the ranch any more when she goes away? What? said Lambert, starting as if he had been asleep. Vesta, do you reckon she'll ever come back any more? Well, slowly, thoughtfully, there's no telling, Taterleg. She's got a stocking full of money now, and nobody dependent on her. She's just as likely as not to marry some lawyer or some other shark that's after her dough. Yes, she may. No, I don't reckon she'll ever come back. She ain't got nothing to look back to here but hard times and shooting scrapes. Nobody associate with and wear low-neck dresses like women with money do. Not much of a chance for it here. You're right. You'd have had a nice and quiet there with them sheep if you'd have been able to go partners with Vesta like you planned, old Nick Hargis in the pen and the rest of them fellers cleaned out. Yes, I guess there'll be peace around the ranch for some time to come. Well, you made the peace around there, Duke. If it hadn't been for you, they'd have broke Vesta up and run her out by now. You had as much to do with bringing them to the time as I did, Taterleg. Me? Look me over, Duke. Feel my hide. Do you see any knife scars in me or feel any bullet holes anywhere? I never done anything but ride along that fence hoping for uh, somebody to start something, but they never done it. They knew you too well, old feller. Knowed me, said Taterleg. Huh. On again in quiet, Glendora in sight when they topped a hill. Taterleg seemed to be thinking deeply. His face was sentimentally serious. Pretty girl, he said in a pleasant vein, amusing. Which one? Vesta. I like him with a little more of a figure. A little thicker in some places and wider in others. But she's trim and she's tasty and her heart's pure gold. You're right it is, Taterleg, Lambert agreed, keeping his eyes straight ahead as they rode on. You're aiming to come back in the spring and go partners with her on that sheep deal, ain't you, Duke? I don't expect I'll ever come back, Taterleg. Well, said Taterleg abstractedly, I don't know. They rode past the station, the bullet-scarred rain barrel behind which Tom Hargis took shelter in the great battle still standing in its place and past the saloon, the hitching rack empty before it, for this was the round-up season. Nobody was in town. "'There's that slab-sided spider-legged Alta Wood standing out on the porch,' said Taterleg disgustedly, falling behind Lambert, reining around on the other side to put him between the lady and himself. "'You'd better stop and bid her good-bye,' Lambert suggested. Taterleg pulled his hat over his eyes to shut out the sight of her, turned his head, ignoring her greeting. When they were safely passed, he cast a cautious look behind. "'I guess that settled her, Hash,' she said. Yes, and I'd like to wad a handful of chewing gum in them old bangs before I leave this man's town. You've broken her chance for a happy married life with Jedlick, Taterleg. Your heart's as hard as a bone. The worst luck I can wish her is that Jedlick'll come back, he said, turning to look at her as he spoke. Alta waved her hand. She's a forgiven little soul anyway, Lambert said. 
forgiven. Don't hurt him, Mr. Jedley, she said. Don't hurt him. Oh, I had to build a fire under that old gun of mine to melt the chewing wax off of her. I wouldn't give that girl a job washing dishes in the oyster parlor if she was to travel from here to Wyoming on her knees. So they arrived at the ranch from their last expedition together. Lambert gave Taterleg his horse to take to the barn, while he stopped in to deliver Pat Sullivan's check to Vesta and straighten up the final business and tell her good-bye. End of chapter 26